right. Welcome in. Welcome back, everybody, to a third time has to be the charm edition of the Always Irish Show. As always, you can find the program on YouTube. Do hit subscribe if you haven't yet. I do appreciate that. Give the video a thumbs up upon its completion. If, of course, you approve of the content, Twitter, search bar, Always Irish Rat, JKZND4. Emails, alwaysirishnd at gmail.com. Audio only, anywhere you want me, you can get me. Merchandise link below in the description. Well, here we are, folks. Undefeated. Exactly where you want to be. Technically, as good as it gets, actually. Undefeated. 2-0. and And yet, and still... We are wondering exactly who we are and what we are and what we're going to be moving into game three. Again, I want us all to keep this in mind. We're undefeated. As long as that's the case, technically, all of our goals are still in front of us. Despite the frustrations with what we've seen, the areas where we all know there has to be improvement, 2-0 is 2-0, and by definition, all of our goals are still in front of us. For everybody that wants me to be a little more glass half full, there you go. And I genuinely mean that. Undefeated's undefeated. It's as good as you could do. But that doesn't mean I don't lay up tossing and turning at night, worrying about certain aspects of this ball club I want to be better, expect to be better, by year 12 of a coach, okay? So, the question for this week is, will the third time really be the charm? That's the big question this week. No, not the charm of just winning, but when I say third week should be the charm, I mean winning and us feeling good about it. Not taking a cold shower and and drinking 80 beers just to get through and have your nerves frazzled. I'm talking a win that builds confidence in the players, the coaches, the fan base, everybody. Not a win where you come away with more questions than you have answers. That's what I'm looking for when I say third time's a charm. So... Here's how I see this. We now have two full weeks of game film, listening to what the coaches and players and reading what the coaches and players have said. They know major improvement is needed to play to a certain standard that I think everybody around the fan base and in the program would admit they're not playing at yet, and they're fortunate to still be 2-0 and and have all their goals in front of them. But knowing and saying you need to get better and improve and being able to do it this Saturday are two vastly, completely different things. In my opinion, after two weeks and who they were against the first two games, it should be very obvious to everybody where the strengths and weaknesses lie within this program, and quite frankly, it is time to start really adjusting 
to your realities and situations. Okay? I'll give you weeks one and two to run whatever out there and figure it out. First games, unless you are Alabama, nobody really knows exactly what they're going to get out of their squad week one, game one. There is built-in inherent randomness to week one. You also add in the environment, the Bobby Bowden game, Milton, like night game, all those ancillary details that made it harder for Notre Dame that night. But game one's a general. Nobody knows what you're going to get out of your team unless you're Alabama, basically. Now, transition that into week two, and you wanted to see just how much of week one was the tricky opponent being up to play you, the environment, week one, game one, rust, whatever the case is, whatever you want to call it. We've seen, we've complained, now we need to see the adjustments. There's enough on tape here that you know what you're working with and what you're not working with. This is the week I need to see Notre Dame start adjusting to these realities. That's what I'm looking for. So what can you do? What can you not do? And how do you work within that framework to keep winning games and building confidence and feeling good about yourself and the arrow and where you're at and where you're going and where you want to be and how the hell you're going to get there? So then enter Purdue. First things first, I love seeing Purdue back on the schedule. The last game against them was the Shamrock Series in 2014. I think that was Indianapolis, Lucas Oil Stadium. And I remember that because I was lucky enough to get to sit in a luxury private suite for that. I have some family friends in Indianapolis, and they have... uh, a suite for their company for Lucas Oil. So we were able to be be in that suite. And I've never done that before. It was bizarre. You have a waitress, your own restroom, all the food and drinks and couches. It was, I've never watched a ball game in that environment. I probably won't again, but it was pretty darn cool for that night. Um, they played every year from 46 to 2014. Notre Dame holds the series lead 56-26, two ties. Here's the thing. I would actually like to see Notre Dame, Indiana, and Purdue play for some sort of rotational state bragging rights type thing. I don't know how you could set it up or not. But I do think that provides a little bit of juice when it's a uh, in-state opponent, especially Purdue right down the road. So I like seeing them back on. It's a nod to the old days. Uh, and I do like the idea of an interstate bragging rights type deal. So good to see them back. I'd like to see Notre Dame, Purdue, and Indiana set something up for for state of Indiana, whatever. Um, but after Notre Dame struggled with Florida State and then struggled with Toledo, a MAC team, yes, it was only UConn, but Purdue's 49 to nothing win last week cannot be overlooked. Notre Dame's not in a position the way they're playing to overlook anybody. 
And if you were going to look up, uh, look up by anybody, it would have been Toledo. So, but against anybody, 49 to nothing gets my attention, even though UConn might be the worst program in America, like literally the worst program in America. But 49 nothing still good. It's still impressive. If nothing else, you want to totally write it off because it's UConn. It's at least a momentum confidence builder for Purdue to beat somebody that bad. So when you're playing the way Notre Dame is, nobody on Notre Dame's schedule could be overlooked. And Purdue is a great example of that. I think the line was Notre Dame seven, seven and a half, somewhere like that. Like, I don't know what to make of it all, but seeing these first two weeks and the instabilities we've seen on both, some on the offensive side, some on the defensive side, I'm not overlooking anybody, anybody. I think Purdue's a game you saw on the schedule when it came out a year or two ago, and you're looking at that, and you're breezing right by Purdue, marking as a W, keep it moving. When you are playing the way we have been, nothing is a guarantee. Nothing. Notre Dame is not in a position to overlook anybody, and it is going to take a good effort to beat Purdue this Saturday. Get that through your minds, okay? Get that through your minds. So here's what I gather. Looking at our games the first two weeks, the areas we excelled in, the areas we all need to get better, looking at Purdue, entering the picture, Here's what hits me. Offensively for Notre Dame, Purdue defensive end George Karlaftis is a beast. He is a game wrecker. He is a future NFL draft pick. Number one priority of the whole entire thing Saturday, I need the Notre Dame offensive line to not let this one guy destroy us. Have a plan. I have no patience for everybody in America to have this guy circled as the one guy you can't let destroy your quarterback. And then Saturday, I'm seeing that one guy destroy our quarterback and three of our linemen are looking around with their arms up. I thought you were going to get him. I thought you were going to get him. And our quarterback's head is rolling around on the ground. Can't happen. If you can't tell... I'm over this offensive line thing. I can't handle it. Figure something out. George Karlaftis will not beat us. He is the one guy on their defensive front that is going to cause you problems. Double him, chip him, do whatever you need to do to not let this one guy wreck your offensive game plan. Okay? I've seen this too many times. Yeah, everybody in America knows the one guy you can't let beat you. And before you know it, he's killing our guy and everybody's wondering what happened like it's a shock. This guy's destroying the game. Account for him. Do what you need to do. If you need to scale back the offense and instead of having somebody in a pass pattern stay in to block this guy, so be it. Because if your quarterbacks are deceased, you have no chance. So do what you need to do. But I am over this offensive line situation, especially 
for offensive line you, which I took a bunch of flack for questioning. If you're offensive line you, block somebody. I don't care what year you are, what grade you are, how many games you've started, how big you are. I don't care. If this is offensive line you and you're playing for them, block the guy in front of you. Block him. Purdue is ranked 39th in total defense, allowing a shade under five yards per play. Stopping their big game-wrecking defensive end is my number one priority this week on offense. Okay? Inexperience, injuries, moving around, graduating guys to the league, all the offensive line excuses. Let me ask you this question. And Notre Dame alum Jack Sacco, and by the way, Pulitzer Prize-nominated author Jack Sacco, by the way, look him up, look his material up if you haven't yet, okay? Fantastic writer, fantastic guy, great football mind as well. Jack and I were talking about this earlier this week with this offensive line. You got experience issues, injury issues, all this kind of stuff. What about genuine anger, genuine toughness, genuine I want to fight, What about that? I haven't seen enough fight up front from the Notre Dame offensive line. You can't play O-line scared and uncertain. I've seen too much of that through two weeks. Toughen up, man up, hit somebody in the mouth, and shut people up like me by doing it. Please. I want to be wrong about this whole offensive line situation, but I got to see the evidence. So experience, be damned, what class you are, injury, I don't care. What about just getting pissed off and moving the guy in front of you? What about that? Where is that natural inclination of rage and hatred you got to play with to be a good offensive lineman? Let some of that come out. Way too soft and complacent up front for me. Don't like it. Toughen up. Move the guy in front of you. Okay? So, protecting against that game wrecker is number one. They have not yet this year generated much pressure outside of what he's done. So, Make that your priority and don't let that guy wreck your game. That's number one. Number two is find a way, any way, to gain some confidence running the ball. We went from under two yards a carry against Florida State to almost three and a half against Toledo. But it was Toledo and you still gave up six sacks and that's unacceptable unacceptable. So that's what I'm looking at with this offensive line situation. I'm going to lose my mind when the one guy everybody in America knows is going to wreck the game. You let him wreck the game. I can't handle it. It's There's no reason for that. Prepare for him, chip him, double him, do whatever you got to do to not let that one guy 
wreck you. Okay? Find any set of run plays you think you could replicate with success. We have to try and find some sort of rhythm to this running game. So far, it's so choppy. Every foot has to be fought tooth and nail to gain. I'm over it. I have no patience for it. None. QBs. What is the plan going to be? Cone and Buckner both had very good plays last week. Does Buckner see more time simply to try and spark the run game? Does he get certain series to try and do that? Is there going to be a rotation? If we run the ball decent, are they not going to play Buckner at all? I am really interested to see this. I think I'd like to see more Buckner no matter what. Because at least whatever happens when Buckner's in, it's still the future. That's the big difference between Buckner and Cone. Whatever Buckner's doing is going to make him better in the future years. You don't have that with Cone. It's one and done. So whenever these guys are playing, I'm looking at them totally differently. Cone, I just need you to win now because that's all you could do and then you're gone. Buckner, there's a bigger picture in play here. So I want to know what the plan is. Are we going to see both again? Does it depend how the running game looks? Are you going to put Buckner in but let him throw more this week? What's the plan? Here's one thing that needs to be the plan. Scrap this half-assed option look with Cone. He never pulls the ball and keeps it. That means there is no option and this play is easy to defend. Stop running it with the guy who's never going to keep it. You're making it easy for the defense. Stop doing that. So what is the overall plan going to be now that we have two weeks of tape with strengths and glaring weaknesses? Adjust, adjust, adjust. I get that they had certain things they wanted to do and run coming into this year. Now that you see the offensive line can't block it, you got to adjust. And if they couldn't block it against Florida State and Toledo, they're not going to block up what you want to do against Wisconsin and Cincinnati or anybody else either. Okay? So prepare accordingly. I need Notre Dame to adjust now. 47th in overall offense is Notre Dame. I'll be honest with you. I think it's a miracle we're 47th not being able to run the ball. Six sacks against Toledo. 47th's a damn near miracle. So here's what I want to see out of the offense. Continue using Michael Mayer. He is the best player you have on offense. Unlimited throws. If he gets 25 balls thrown at him, I'm going to say it's not enough. There is no amount of passes to this monster that's too many. Use him, get him in space, whenever, wherever you can. 
Now, the wide receivers are really starting to catch my eye. Okay, I'm seeing some things I like out of this group, and I'm seeing some development out of this group. They need time and protection to be able to run their routes the way they need to, get open, give the quarterback time to see them. Okay, but I like what I'm starting to see out of the development of that group, but it's going to be capped if that offensive line doesn't do its job. Purdue has allowed seven pass plays of 20 or more yards so far. They are susceptible to that kind of play. Keep that in mind this week. Burn them. Burn them. Okay? Here's the other thing I think is a very unique skill set of weaponry that Notre Dame has at its disposal. I think... Tyree and Williams are so tricky to defend when they're multi-purpose. I want Purdue worrying about those two guys receiving and rushing. So I want them both out there at the same time. And then we have four things the defense has to worry about with two guys. One of them getting a run play or a pass play. And the other one getting a run play or a pass play. That's four situations the defense has to worry about with two guys. I like that dynamic and what it opens up for everybody else with that attention going to them. So continue to use Tyree and Williams not only in the run game, but the intermediate and short passing game as well. This is where those two are most deadly as dual weapons, in my opinion. If the blocking is still an issue up front, pick timely downs to hit some big screen plays. That is a great way to combat that blocking issue. You got to have blockers on the outside if you're going to do this. But that's quick screen game could be a way, if blocked up right on the outside, to counter some of that activity. So, I'm looking for adjustments this week. Try to beef up our strengths and what is working. Negate the weaknesses as much as you can. This is a week of adjustments I expect and need to see them. But again, the quarterbacks, the tight end, the wide receivers, the running backs, they can only reach their potential and ceilings with a half-decent offensive line, period. The bottom line still is that the offensive line is the key to all this, okay? They better have some answers this week. Two weeks of film. You know where you're good. You know where you're weak. I need Notre Dame to start adjusting. No exceptions. Period. End of story. Now let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball. I said this before, and I'm going to keep saying it. To me, the defensive issues are way easier to clean up larger scale 
than the offensive issues are. And we'll get into why. But here's what I'm looking for. Number one, limit these big gash plays. By limit, I mean I want none. Zero. Zilch. None. Two weeks in, we've already given up more 60-plus yard plays than the last three years combined. I've seen enough. I've seen enough. Maintain your responsibilities and your gap integrity. Here's the deal. I know one of the key features to my husband Marcus Freeman's defensive scheme is freedom in space. Maybe it's time to reel that in, okay? Maybe it's time to reel that in a little bit. I think you have to because your freedom in space to let guys fly around right now is resulting in us getting burned. So after a couple weeks dealing with all the injuries we have at the middle part of that defense, maybe it's time to pare that philosophy back a little bit. Simplify it. Limit some of that freedom until guys stay where they're supposed to be. Start there. Pare it back a little bit. Take back some of that freedom because it's not being handled the right way. And stop these game-changing big chunk plays. I'm over it already after two weeks. I can't handle it. Can't handle it. So I would start there. Then tackle better. Tackle better. Now, I did feel much better from week one to week two. I felt that tackling was very much significantly improved last week, but it still needs to be even crisper. So those are just a couple broad points to keep in mind. I think pairing back some of that freedom this scheme allows until things settle down a bit is the way to go. You got to stop these big plays. You have to stop. There's been too many already. So I think that's a requirement this week. Now, Purdue was up 35-0 by halftime last week. They scored touchdowns in their first five drives. Plummer, the quarterback, will burn you if you let him. 74% accuracy, just over nine yards average per completion. Last week, 16 of 20, 245 yards, four touchdowns. Wide receiver David Bell caught three of those touchdowns. He is their most dynamic receiver. And you must protect against him. Hamilton, ball hawk your way over to the side where Bell is. He's their big threat. Have Kyle Hamilton ranging the area. Okay. Run game, very important note. Their leading rusher, Xander Horvath, broke a leg in the game. He will be out this week. Purdue. Overall, 30th in the nation in offense, averaging almost 6.3 yards per play. Our defense, 
89th, allowing five and three quarters yards of play. Here's what I need. Unleash those big dogs up front. Unleash them. Notre Dame has 10 sacks through two games. I need another handful here. Why not go ahead and get it? Why not go ahead and get it? Unleash the dogs. You unleash those guys on the defensive line and they get home or cause problems even. That makes the back end of your defense look a lot better and it's easier for those guys to live. So pressure, pressure, pressure. On that note, Purdue is 112th out of 130 teams in allowing tackles for a loss. They are 123rd in stuff rate. That all indicates to me there's a lot of chances here for the Notre Dame defense to get penetration and pressure. The other thing is, these stats for Purdue are not good, and they played two dog crap opponents the first two weeks. So there should be a ton of chances here for Notre Dame to eat. To eat. There is no better way to not get burned deep than not allow the quarterback the time to throw deep. So that's what I'm looking for. Pressure, pressure, pressure is what I need. It just makes the back two levels of your defense not have to be as perfect to play winning football. Simplify the scheme. Protect against Bell and the big plays. Wrap up. Maintain gap integrity. Get pressure. This defense needs to start looking a lot tidier, and it needs to start against Purdue. The meat of the schedule is coming up. Your margin for error is almost zero when we get into the next five games on the schedule after this one. You have to start being realistic about where we're at and adjust and compensate for it while the loss column still reads zero. Okay? That's important. Too many times we see adjustments made after a loss. No, 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 no. Too late then. Everybody's lives are ruined then. You need to adjust in wins to prevent that loss. Okay? That's what I need. So, what are we going to see against Purdue? I have no idea what to expect. You can't trust anything with this team right now. So we're all on pins and needles seeing what iteration number three is going to look like. I will say this, at least this time, my stress is on NBC and not Peacock. Special teams, if I've said it once, I've said it 600 times on this program. Please try and make an effort to return a kick or return a punt. Just try. Just try a couple times. See what happens to make a lunatic like me happy. Just try it. You might be pleasantly surprised. Just try it a few times. So, overall, call me crazy. 
But I think if you do some of the adjustments I've talked about, I'm actually somewhat optimistic we might see a more put-together Irish team in week three. There's now enough evidence and tape for us to self-scout and adjust off of. I expect to see some tangible workarounds of our current deficiencies. If we don't see that, Mount Always Irish may erupt the next time you tune into this program. Don't let it happen. Find a way to win the game. Get set at 3-0 before we enter this meat grinder part of the schedule. Get it done.